Hello everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Abad IP Club podcast. I'm so happy to be here today because this has been in the books for a long time and finally we have started it. Okay, so my name is Jennifer Oyemichi and I'm going to be the host for this particular session. And today we have a very special, beautiful and intelligent guest with us. Her name is Mandy Uzaba. So I'm just going to give you a little background story about her before we go right into it. She is an entertainment and intellectual property lawyer who has worked with different brands, creators, entertainers, and media companies across Nigeria and Africa, helping them to protect their works and make money from it. And she's currently working as a legal executive at Ebony Life TV. Please, let's all welcome Mandy. Welcome, Mandy. Ah. We're so happy to have you. Thanks so much for having me here. Thank you, Mandy. So this is just going to be very chatty, very short and precise because I mean, it's a public holiday and I'm sure everybody's trying to rest. Okay. So um, how long have you been practicing as an entertainment lawyer and why did you decide to practice in this particular field of law? Okay. Um, thank you once again for having me. Um, I've been... I've been in the entertainment space for close to six, seven years, but not as a lawyer. So I was in okay. the space as a blogger and as a PR. When I was in uni, I used to be a blogger, so I did work with a lot of record level, um, structuring their release um, and all of that. And then after I was called to buy in 2017, and after called to buy, I did use service 2018. So I did, I would say I'm just two years into the practice of entertainment law itself. Um, okay. Down to when I was serving, I didn't know that I was going to end up in entertainment law. I knew for sure I didn't want to do litigation, do you get? But I wasn't yes. sure. At the time when I was doing my youth service, I was considering being my master's in maritime law because okay. literally I was just something else that is quite lucrative financially mm-hmm. for me. But um, the master's program didn't work go through because of some financial issues. And then okay. I had to go back a year after youth service. After youth service, I came back home, tried to look for a few jobs. I grew up in the East. And most okay. of you all know that the East is kind of litigation-based. You can hardly find yeah. the conflict in the East. I know. All the jobs I was saying there were litigation jobs. And I, I, I made that decision right from when I was in uni. That I was not going to do anything litigation because I was not interested in it. And one thing I was very sure of that I didn't want to do a job that would feel so much like a job. I wanted to do something that even if it's difficult, I'm still enjoying it while doing it. Yeah. So you know, it's not going to be like the last option for me. And I would say I went through a phase of depression, not knowing mm-hmm. what to do and all that before I I spoke to a senior lawyer that was really into entertainment law, but I wasn't speaking to him based on entertainment law, I was speaking to him based on, oh, see, I just finished, I've been called about, but I don't know what exactly to do. I feel like time is passing me and all of that. And then mm-hmm. on my own, I said, reading up on entertainment law, listening to a lot of podcasts, um, mm-hmm. researching and all of that. And I was like, okay. So since I've been in the entertainment space for a while, I know how it works. I love entertainment. So if there's an area called entertainment law, I might as well be in that area and try and speak out. Yeah. So I didn't join 
I guess a lot of people's belief or reason for joining the industry. I didn't join the industry because I wanted to be friends or um, moving around with celebrities. I joined the industry because I felt like this is a space that I'll, I'll fit in quite well in because I already know how the industry to an extent works. So bringing it, coming in as a lawyer should give me an edge in the industry. So yeah. and the truth about it is that I actually didn't wait so much time. I was still in the phase of learning when I presented myself, which is which is something that I, 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 I don't know whether I sat down to think it through a lot because I think right now I would have been more cautious back then. I just threw okay. myself out that, oh, I'm an entertainment lawyer and this is what I wanted to do. So I was still in this process of learning and working, learning and working. And yeah, that has got me to this point. So I'll say two years as a lawyer and seven to eight years as being just being in the entertainment industry. Okay. It must be very good to actually do what you like because I mean, then it wouldn't be like a job, it would be like a hobby to you and then. I think you would even be moved to do it longer. That's so important. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's actually difficult and tough. Yeah. Normal. You know how we, we all complain about adult things. You don't feel like getting out mm-hmm. of bed. But then, when you're doing the work, you're happy that you're doing it. Even if yeah. you're or seeing a movie or just flexing. But then it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't much headache it doesn't give you so much sleepless night it doesn't stress you as much as doing something that you that doesn't come natural to you and something that you don't find interesting yeah and that's very important especially for your mental health so that you can be sane yeah. yeah so everyone keeps saying that intellectual property law is the future but then we would like to know if this area is actually very lucrative because to be honest in as much as passion is what drives people money is also a driving force so i'll i'll put it this way so first of all there's a difference between entertainment law and intellectual property law which a lot of people misunderstand because yes intellectual property makes up a huge part of entertainment law but there are other areas of law that make up entertainment law so people get confused I'm more into inter- I'm more into entertainment law than intellectual property. The area of intellectual property, aside from fashion, that I work in is the area that has to do with entertainment or the creative either. So is okay. the business or is the profession or this area of law lucrative? Um not at first. So I would say um it's not somewhere that you you're going to join because you're trying to find um, a greener pasture because you have to work in the industry and kind of prove yourself over time before you can get those deals that are quite lucrative. So yeah. I guess people think that oh, all celebrities have money. Not all of them have that much money to be comfortable paying for their crafts and paying for a legal retainer you get. So okay. I'm not at all broke. I'm saying most of them thrive on goodwill and they keep that keeps them going and keeps their profession or rather their career going. So they might have money to pay for if it's in the movie industry, pay for acting class, pay for auditions, to travel, to look the parts you get. If it's mm-hmm. for the um, people in the music industry, they might have money to pay for sections, music videos and all of that. But when it comes to legal retainer, most of them don't have that much money because Again, in Nigeria, we believe that oh, lawyers are only when there's problem that are needed. 
So yeah. in the industry, an industry where we usually have those problems once in a while, but it's not as if it's stage. It's not like land issues or civil issues that can just come up anytime. You can literally uh-huh. go through industry without having any issue or having very minimal issues that you don't need a lawyer properly to actually solve. You get so okay. industry haven't gotten to that point where a lot are invested in lawyers. So I would say it's lucrative, but it's not that lucrative in the sense that if you're out of your parents' house, I started it while I was home. So for okay. the first two years between 2019 itself and 2020, up to the point when I moved to Lagos, I didn't really have any need for money because mm-hmm. I was under my parents' feeding me. I had car I could go out and to an extent I was living off them so even if I could I had to do a few things for myself and for them it wasn't much of a responsibility so I was doing it for the sake of just proving myself and working in the industry not to make money do you understand so yeah if you're going to work in the industry on your own you might not make that much money to prove yourself over time and learn those big clients if not if you're lucky enough to come into the entertainment law practice and you're under a law firm or you're under a media company it might be a bit lucrative but it's not as lucrative as people think it's more okay. of glamour than money you put it that way but not to discourage anybody if you love it going to it it's just a matter of time you come around to hitting those clients and the money starts growing yeah Thank you so yeah. much for your honesty because I mean some people just graduate and say yes there's a lot of money here and then you get <laughs> into it and realize that you have been sort of deceived. Thank you so much for being honest. There's money everywhere but it just happens yeah. to get to that you point. You have to be patient. So yeah, some might come in and they'll be lucky that within the yeah. first two the land. I, I count myself very lucky in entertainment law practice but a lot of people have been there and have been doing it for four or five years and yeah. they've not really had it with so it's not automatic mm-hmm. okay you said something in the first um question this first time i asked about your what made you go into entertainment law you spoke about how um you didn't want to do litigation i mean i can totally relate to that so i just graduated from after Babala university i haven't gone to law school yet and i already know for a fact that i don't want to get involved in litigation because i mean it's quite boring it's long and it can be very tasking so yeah. i'm um, a lot of on law undergraduates and young people like myself also have they have like now that we're done with school you know there's a lot of confusion difficulty trying to decide oh what exactly do you want to go into and all yeah. of that do you do you did you I, I mean i think you've already said you faced that yeah do you think there's any like firm or something that people young people can go to to learn about entertainment law you know interns and all of that no there are a lot there are a lot of law firms that are opening up to the practice we have a okay. opening up okay. to the practice with our and godalo they are doing quite well we have punuka attorneys they are doing well in the practice um Oluwani, Ashidi, Adidona, Ajayi. They also, they have a brewing um, entertainment law practice. So most of these top law firms do have this practice. And we have other younger lawyers that have their firms too, that do this yeah. practice. What I would say is, if you can get those big firms, good to go. But then, mm-hmm. don't 
courage because you can't get those big friends and say, okay, I'm going to join another practice. Do you get? If you've decided that it's yeah. a certain law practice you want to do, you can be with big firms. You can attach yourself to single lawyers, like younger lawyers and lawyers that know exactly mm-hmm. under any law firm or have any law firm. You just shadow them and see what they're doing and how they're doing it. And you can decide for the period of time before this um, internship or mentorship opportunities come up to research. Everything is literally online. We create a lot yeah. of content. I do that. A lot of other lawyers do that. We create content so it to be easier for the younger lawyers and for creatives to catch up. Do you get? So yeah. you can always research on your own. You can always reach out to any lawyer to ask questions for clarification. I do that. Like I still at this point reach out to some lawyers to ask questions, especially if I don't seem to understand something or if I understood it a certain way and I'm seeing a problem or a case presenting it in a different light. Do you get? And at the same time, I get other yeah. younger lawyers that will ask me the questions. So you mustn't be with those big law firms. Like I said, if you get those big law firms, that would be a score goal for you. If you get, But even if you don't get to that mm-hmm. point, don't feel discouraged. You can still build up on your own. I never did any internship in any law firm up to the point when I landed a oh, job wow. with everyone in life. I didn't do any internship. The internship I did ever in my life which to an extent I regret so I'm not saying it like I'm boasting but I'm just saying it like if you've gotten to the point where you've graduated or law school and you haven't done an internship it doesn't yeah. mean you're doing you get but if you're still in school take, yeah. take the opportunity like use every single opportunity you have to intern because it gives you headway in the practice apart from getting prepared for the practice itself it gives you goodwill with some of these law firms mm-hmm. and to be hard finding a job with them when you're done so the only law, the only um, internship I did was because I didn't want to feel left out, and that was like forty at Victoria. I did an internship in the East in a litigation firm, and I was going to okay. talk all of that. I know it to me. I took it as a joke. I just took it as something mm-hmm. like my mate finished. Let me do it because okay. I would say I much about it. I didn't learn much that that is affecting my practice at the moment because it was litigation. Do you get? Mm-hmm. So even if yeah. you don't have the opportunity to intern. It doesn't mean you're set for failure. No. You can always still learn on your own. You can always still learn with any other lawyer out there. You can always shadow a lawyer. You can always ask questions. Okay. Thank you very much. Now, um, I mean, in Nigeria today and the world, there are lots of lawyers everywhere. And I think people need to have certain skills that, you know, make you stand out. Yeah. in the legal society as it is so do you and um, what particular skills do you think sets you aside for your career and then just made it easier for you and what would you advise like young undergraduates to adopt me, me personally what set me aside was getting that street sense now that's okay. i know that's not what you're expecting oh sit down in school learn this learn that you know acquiring those three sets, acquiring um, the skills to be able to communicate in the industry and learning how the entertainment business works. That set me aside from any other entertainment lawyer. Because truth about it is that between five years in law school in university and one year law school, there's no skill you're not going to pick up, except if you're mm-hmm. not serious. You understand? And even if you're not serious, unconsciously, you still learn something. So coming out from law school, you're already prepared to be a lawyer. 
Now, what to set you aside in your practice is knowing how the industry, wherever you find yourself, whether construction, whether banking, whether in the corporate world itself, whether um, um, in entertainment law, whether any industry you find yourself, do you get? What will set you aside is knowing how the industry itself works as an individual, not as a lawyer, do you get? So if you can put yourself mm-hmm. in their shoes and understand how the business works for them, you adding law to it will give you an extra advantage that any other lawyer working yeah. in this industry would have. Do you get? So we have lawyers that yeah. basically for about contracts. So some of them come into the entertainment industry and they're like, oh, I can draft your record level deals for you. I can review your contracts and all of that. But the truth about it is that except if you understand the industry itself, you will not really understand something like music royalties or understand the distribution channels or some other things within the industry. Mm-hmm. So you have to know how the industry itself you're involved in or you want to be involved in works. Well, Take your time, ask questions, discuss with people, research about it. Know, if possible, work in the industry, not as a lawyer. You have lawyers that go to do um, PR assistant work in certain firms within the industry. Do you understand? Just to know how it works. We have people that understand how real estate works. Just to know how real estate itself works aside from the legal aspect of it. Now, when you add the law feather to it, it's going to give you an extra edge, and that is fact. Okay, okay, okay. So, in your um, line of work, your area of practice, has do you know if there are any mis- misconceptions that people have about entertainment law? Um, two, mis- two misconceptions. One, there is no serious area of law. Because yeah. people believe, or oh, if you're certainly going to court or you're putting big, big languages, and truth about it, yeah. that when you meet a lot, when you meet a lot of entertainment lawyers, you realize that we actually don't have time to speak big English. And <laughs> truth about it, you're dealing with human beings basically, not yeah. just content. You get so you need to be able to communicate. They need to understand the language you're speaking. You're speaking, yeah. And to make things easier for them, so you can't come and be speaking. Um, legal jargons and all of that. So because of it, people in litigation, or let me not say people in litigation, most lawyers feel like oh, entertainment law is a joke. It's not serious. That's one. Two, the biggest misconception is that is is a sweet, glamorous, you know, interesting. It's interesting, you get. But to the point of oh, yeah. you're dealing with celebrities as your clients and all of that, and for that reason, you think it's all fun. Is not awful because then mm-hmm. you're dealing with, like I said, you're dealing with human beings. So you're going to see these celebrities that they are good and bad and worse. You're not going to see them in the light the entire world and the masses and every other person is seeing them. You're seeing them when they are their lowest. You're seeing them when they are vulnerable. Yeah. So literally call you up 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 8 a.m., 1 a.m., even after you want them not to call you too late just because they need to talk to a lawyer or they have an issue. Or they remember something that they forgot to tell you earlier and it's due the next day. Do you understand? So I guess mm-hmm. people's opinion or the conception people have in their head, the industry is not all fun and all sweet and oh, it's all about going for parties and release parties and listening parties and premieres and snapping pictures and looking good and dancing and being happy. There's a lot yeah. of behind work that goes on in the industry. And like I said, if it's not something you're passionate about, if you're joining it just because it seems glamorous, you're going to leave it. I, I know a lot of lawyers are joined and they dropped out and went to something else. 
because it's not as sweet as they thought yeah. it was going to be. Hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Um, these misconceptions you just mentioned, have any of them posed a challenge to you before? Um, have any of them posed a challenge to me? Not exactly. Because like I said, I already okay. worked in before I became a lawyer. So there was nothing... Yeah, so you know what really like we're going into. Exactly. There's nothing I'll see that seems so new to me. Or there's no character or behavior or attitude or job or work or anything that would come into the mix at this point that would seem like, oh, oh my God, why have mm-hmm. this ever happened? So nothing seems new to me anymore. For okay. Now. So, I'll so say, have you, I'll say like... This. Except from other lawyers, like I said, some other lawyers feel like it's a serious area of law. But then I just laugh at these things, not so like, come and do it. It's as simple as that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what particular challenges have you faced in entertainment law? Okay, challenges that I faced so far. Yeah. One, yeah. Um, that you know what you're doing. So that has not been so much of a challenge to me. I think it's more of a self-imposed challenge than challenge from other yeah. people. Because I felt like, okay, just came in, like I said, I had it easy. I came into the industry and beforehand, everything just like within a year, two years, the thing, everything worked out, clicked for me, even without being on that frame. So sometimes, okay. you know that moment you feel a bit guilty or have that imposter syndrome, like, oh, are you sure you yeah. know what you're doing? So that puts a self-imposed challenge on myself. Like I have okay. to push my the extra mile just to prove to others that I didn't just catch a lucky break, even if my head is telling me that I caught a lucky break and that I actually deserve the clientele and everything that's coming to me. That's one. Two. Another um, um difficulty or challenge I face is um I won't call it racism, but I'll call it like um location restriction if i should call it that so okay. you know how instagram and social media is most of my clients i meet them on social media so even before mm-hmm. i moved lagos more than like some five percent of my clients are in lagos and some of them up to this point i'm almost a year in lagos i haven't still met them but i'm still working yeah. with them okay a lot of them I met online. A lot of them trusted me with their work. I delivered and they kept coming back. And at the same point, I've worked with a lot of clients outside the country, like mm-hmm. way outside Nigeria, outside Africa. And then you meet some of the problems where they say, oh, sorry, I thought you are in this place. Oh, I thought you're here. Oh, I thought you're here. And then you try to explain to them that, oh, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be a problem. I can still deliver on the work. And even if you feel you need a lawyer on ground, just let me know whatever country at to an extent, I'll have someone there that I could liaise with to represent me or to work to take up your job on my behalf. Do you get? Yeah. So I, I know I did face that a lot. I think I stepped paying my attention to those type of challenges after I moved to Lagos. I think like January, February, March, I seem to like have one of those um challenge every other month. Do you get? That's mm-hmm. the second one. The third challenge is the whole um, being a woman factor. So I yeah, think I was going to ask that as well. I mean, gender-based discrimination is basically everywhere in Nigeria now. 
and also in the industry. So yeah. you you meet in true light. You meet it in the light of them giving you um preferred treatment because they feel oh she's a woman. Let's not mm-hmm. let's not do that make her see that or say that we are discriminating and that's bullshit. Like mm-hmm. literally give me a full opportunity. Don't give me a better opportunity, a fair opportunity because I'm I'm a woman. Let me let me be able to prove let me that work for it. Yeah. Do get that's one. The second one is feeling, oh, you're a woman, you're going to flake on us. Yeah. Oh, man, if I engage as my lawyer and I need you to come out night, I know women, if we don't like coming out in the night, will you be able to come out? Will you be able to attend shows? Can you be able to do this? Can you be able to do that? And the same thing, don't put that restrictions because you feel that that is the way women are. Let me be the yeah, one to tell you, oh, I not do this for this reason. Do you mm-hmm. understand? Yeah. Give Give me a fair opportunity to struggle or fight for that job, and then let me be the one to say, "Oh, sorry, I have to decline this job because what you expect of me, I can't do it. I can't come out late at night. I can't sleep out of my house. Do you understand all those things?" Mm-hmm. So I know I did face that a lot, and then maybe getting jobs and clients don't really know the line between business and non-business. So I know yeah. within this year alone, I've, I had to turn down like two or three retainers because. I had a feeling that those clients were going to blow that line. And there's a different thing. Mm-hmm. I do treat most of my clients as family. Like, once mm-hmm. we start working together, I can always come around. Your family is literally like my family because I don't want it to seem like it's all work. Let us be able to feel. A lot of, yes. a lot of, and a lot of things come out from just being able to feel with your clients. Jigen. So some of them, there are certain things they might not know about or certain things they might not mention to you because they feel, oh, this is my lawyer. Serious, serious, serious. Only serious things should come around. But being able to relax, chill, be family, be friends with your clients is important. But those those, uh, those clients, they don't understand, don't understand the restrictions and the boundaries. Yeah, some people don't understand boundaries, yeah. So you get some of them that say, oh, when I want to have a girlfriend, they're going to help me screen the girlfriend. What concern you concern you having a girlfriend? That like, is so rude. Nothing like, does. I don't have your personal things to worry about. I understand. Even if that should ever happen, that's something that will progress. Like relationship will yeah, progress like, up to that. Yeah. Not like I mean, you guys have to be friends. Do you understand? We should have been able to work together for maybe like ten months. I'm not putting a time mm-hmm. limit on that. But be able to work together for a period of time and let it just be something that happens, not something naturally. Yeah, do you get or telling me that um, whenever you're traveling, that that means I must travel with you know, those so most times I'd say this year alone and those three retainers I had to turn down, they are really good to pay. But I'm someone (laughs) I I'm not comfortable with something, I'm not going into it because I want my legs somewhere. Exactly. I don't want to put my, my leg or myself somewhere where I'll start feeling very uncomfortable or I can't yeah. do the job well. I have to build halfway. Whatever I start, I see to finish. For example, yeah. I never really wanted to study law, but I found myself there and I saw it to the end and I'm still doing it. So whatever okay. I find myself in, I like seeing it to the end and being able to get out the best out of that. Let it not be let it be that giving this thing work is natural cause of natural reason. Not because I wasn't good mm-hmm. enough. Do well. yeah. so that has been a very that this particular challenge has been a challenge like even before you change the entertainment law space do you get that has okay. been a normal thing 
whenever I have maybe a male boss that I'm working with, I did face that a lot in the industry even before I became a lawyer. So me mm-hmm. becoming a lawyer kind of gave me an edge because you need me more than I need you. Yeah. Before I became Why? a lawyer, I needed them more than they needed me. So I needed to work in the industry. I needed to make money and all of that. But at the moment, you need me. I don't need you. No matter how much you want to paint it, yes, the money is going to be good for me, but it's not. It shouldn't cost me my sleep. It shouldn't cost me my peace of mind. Yeah, so that's true. I I had to like literally turn down those jobs because I knew what it was going to become at the end of the day. So I would say those are three challenges that I've faced so far. I really hope it doesn't grow more than this three, if possible. Mm. This. Yeah. <laughs> That's very important. People need to understand that sometimes your comfort and your state of mind is more important than money. You can't come and do something that would lower your integrity just because of the pay you're going to get out of it. I don't think it is worth it. Thank you very much, Mandy. So do you think Nigeria or the society as a whole is very receptive towards entertainment law and intellectual property? Um, I would say we're catching up slowly. Okay. So a lot of you meet a lot of lawyers or some lawyers I'll tell you, oh, you've been in this space for ten years, for fourteen years. And no doubt they've been in that space for so long. But it wasn't really a thing when they're in that place. They are probably one of the pioneer people or people that are just trying to like grasp what entertainment law or intellectual property means. So it's still a grain industry or a grain area of law. You get as you can see, we don't even have much legislation for it. For intellectual yeah. property, we just it's more like they just put laws in states in place that would not say there's nothing there. There's nothing opportunity with 21st century needs and all of that. You get the same way mm-hmm. entertainment law doesn't have a proper legal structure backing it. It's us, we the lawyers in the industry, that are trying to formulate or create our own structure, let it be to an extent, we're not just running around. So I would say we're slowly catching up to it. Hopefully, for the past uh, for the past two to four, three years, the growth has been quite rapid. I see a lot of lawyers now more interested in entertainment law, intellectual property, not just the regular either corporate or litigation or academics. Jigget, okay. are really interested in the industry. We have people that are in the in the industry and they're writing this, they're expanding knowledge. On it, so hopefully we get to that point where it's actually a big deal, where we actually have proper structure. So it's, it's growing. I'm very, um, I'm very optimistic about it. It's growing. Okay, okay, that's a good thing. Now, if you have the opportunity to advise governments regarding intellectual property, what would you, what advice would you give? Intellectual property. I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll be the right person first of all to advise on intellectual property. Like I said, I know just to the extent of passion and entertainment and creative law. So I would say if IP, if I have the opportunity, I would definitely bring an IP specialist into the mix. But okay. then for we need to amend our intellectual property laws, like literally all of them. Important. Even the ones, even the ones that we have um that we're looking forward to an amendment for the amendments to the amended and, and and the amended law is not even close to what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Do you understand? So we need yeah. an actual intellectual property legislation that can provide for the need as it is now. Or as, as, it, as it is at the time when I'll be advising 
them do you get our thing is that we need um now we now need laws for the for entertainment law itself because there needs to be that demarcation that entertainment law is not intellectual property so in entertainment law we have a bit of all intellectual property involved in it but entertainment law itself we need a structure we need code of governance we need legislations for it so like i said i'll bring in an ip specialist to handle the intellectual property part why i advise them on the legal or sorry on the entertainment law part amen i'm going to insist on is that entertainment law will be added to our curriculum in school is very yeah very important very very important that are trying their best to make that work we have young lawyers that are trying to come up with online courses so you can be able to come out from school and study entertainment law even before running your master's at least the basis do you understand okay. but it's that's so impressive it's important for it to be in the curriculum even if it's an elective it shouldn't be a composite mm-hmm. course but let students be able to choose oh i want to study entertainment law and not just legal aspect of it infuse it with the entertainment business so they don't have to come out and still have to struggle to understand how the business works. Have the aspect yeah. of it, have people that work in the industry itself. And this uh, music execs, uh, producers and all of this come in and have meetings, discussions with these students. So it could be more practical. Yes. Because I don't know about you. When I studied intellectual property in uni, it was very abstract. It wasn't really that mm. practical. I can I relate. It came out. And even some of my classmates would be like, oh, we are in IT class. Because I think, if I remember how many times I attended that class, it seems so abstract. <laughs> Just thinking and seeing that I had to read the Copyright Act, I had to read the Trademark Act, I had to read the Patents and Designs Act. And in my head, I was like, so mm-hmm. what was so for me to understand back then? Because now, while I'm reading it, I can relate. Like, you can, you can relate to it more. Exactly, I can imagine what they're talking about. Oh no, okay. Yeah. When they're talking about this, they're talking about music, they're talking about books, they're talking about dance, they're talking about this. I could construct it in my head as a happening, not just something abstract like the book is saying, oh, this will happen, that will happen, this. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's need for it to be very practical for students. So when they come out, we'll be able to catch on. The truth about it is that even if you say, oh, time is very, um, um, I don't know the word I'm going to use, but then truth about it is that there's not so much time. When you come out, there's that pressure for you to start doing something. And that's why we have yes. a lot of lawyers up in law firms trying out different areas of law that they are not happy, but they finally settle for what either they feel is right or they find area of law that makes them happy. Which me, I don't support. The truth about mm-hmm. it is you can come and find an area that you're interested in, start working on it immediately. Start immediately, go through seven or eight and try oh will I like this will I not like this no you found your interest so I feel if they make these two laws if entertainment law is added to the curriculum and intellectual property is made very practical it will help students decide okay I want to do this I don't want to do this before they even come out to join the profession itself mm-hmm. now I'm going to digress a bit into networking I mean it's very very important to have a network to build your network because you you can never know when you need someone so what level of impact will you, will you say networking has had or has helped in your career growth um 
I would say everything about my career goes up to this point is networking. Everything. Okay. So first of all, um, you know I work with everybody like and truth about I did interview with them first of all when I finished my youth service, but I didn't get the job. By then, I didn't even know what entertainment law was. I knew, oh, Stephanie Life. And I think they got the feeling that I was interviewing with them because I wanted to sneak from law to television. <laughs> to get. Okay. And I'm very happy that I didn't get the job at that point because that's literally what I would have done. But then I had mm-hmm. time to try out TV and I decided, okay, yes, I did like TV, but I wanted to build an entertainment law itself. And I ended up getting the job because of certain networks I had. And truth about it, I didn't even know I had those networks. I know that, you know, the way you connect to people online and social media. Yeah. You get DMs from people telling you, oh, there's opening here. Are you interested? There's opening there. Are you interested? And truth about it, that was how I was able to even interview with them to get this job. Okay. As one, two. Most of the jobs and clients I have now are based on referrals most of them and there's a particular one that's giving me the most clients and he's not even a lawyer he's a music producer i knew him back when i was in uni and then when i came out automatically he became a client but that network kept clients coming my way even though i think we've met only like two times or three times ever do you understand when a regular, yeah. this person calls me, oh, this person referred me to you. This person calls, this person refers me to you, referred me to you, one, two. Most of the things I've been able to build, um, the podcast that I have with mm-hmm. Lola is through networking. I got it. I reached out to her on Instagram randomly last year. And we met up and okay. we had a meeting. And after the meeting, the meeting was not even about the podcast. The meeting was not about anything. I just wanted to know how the practice has been for her. I wanted to know if I was okay. doing it right or not. And after the discussion, we just kept in touch. And that network brought the podcast to be jigged. Most of mm-hmm. the programs and other things I've had or um, people that I've known, people I've met, are based on networking. Some of the networking doesn't have to be physical. For someone like me, I'm not an outing person. I'm not. I'm really... Yeah. So five weekends could pass and I won't step out of my house throughout those weekends. I'll just be at home sleeping because I'm very stressed. Mm-hmm. We- weekends, I usually see that catch up on private practice or just to sleep, watch movie and just get ready for the next week mm-hmm. to go out. Do you understand? So I don't have that much opportunity to network with people outside social media. The few periods yeah. I have, few times I go out. I'm not really that type of person that will start conversation again at first to you. Instead, maybe I've met you somewhere or you start talking to me, I'll talk to you back if you get. So I'm also a yeah, shy person. It's just easier. Yeah, it's easier for you I to start the conversation than me working because then I have that fear of you not wanting to be in that not conversation. Not responding, yes. Exactly. So the same way, if I see someone outside, I don't really greet them first, except with hard eye contact, eye contact, and you know I'm mm-hmm. the one. Then I'm like, hi. And then you give me back. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it is with me and networking. So I don't have that much, um, let's say, ability to network physically with people. That's why social media is always like my secret weapon. I try my best to network a lot on social media, reach out to people, just randomly send message. Oh, I hope you're doing well. Keep them in mm-hmm. your mind. Keep you in their mind. You get yeah. so networking like being. I was able to be in Enugu. And I had most of my clients in Lagos. Not much, not a lot of you can pull that off. 
I came to yes, Lagos. Honest. Well done. Like, times, two times or three times. And anytime I come around, I just try to use that period. I don't stay for long. I stay a week or two weeks. Like I said, I wasn't making so much money. So I can't come and say, oh, I'm going to be in Lagos for one month because I didn't have mm-hmm. that much money that long. Yeah, so I just come expensive. around. Expensive. Very expensive. I'm living here. I know. <laughs> so I could come around for like a, a week or two weeks. And I use that period to like see every client I have. Oh, this person has this. I'll mm-hmm. go for this have meeting i'll go for this but then i kept working with them and some of them are still working with them even to this point and like i said i've not even met some we just talk over the phone and we chat on social media and then we are all in these levels i might just run into each other one day one day i'd be like hey, yeah you this and that one and we just laugh about it do you understand <laughs> so networking yeah. has made my career is all about networking. I'll just say that it's played a very huge and still plays a very huge part of my career. Okay, okay. I can relate to uh, not really talking to people when you see them, except you know them from somewhere. That's the way I am. Because I don't want a situation where I'll go and say hi and then the person will be wondering, do I know you from somewhere? So it's yeah. just better to, to, to over again and they may remember, they may not remember. Uh, yes. The fan so of that. I have moments where I just feel like, oh, what the hell? What's it was that happened? And I just go for it. But those moments and happen like once, once in a while. very not just blue like red violet moon <laughs> it really <laughs> happens yeah, so okay. those moments just walk up there and be like hi i'm this person and you're this person you don't know me or maybe i know you or maybe you're social media and we mm. talk but it doesn't happen that often and i don't really go out so networking online is my superpower that's how it's okay okay finally do you have anything yeah. you would like to say to law undergraduates and young lawyers? That's what we're using to conclude this episode. Okay, so I would say in three ways for undergraduates, for um, law graduates, and those young lawyers. So yeah. If that graduate, I would advise you to make use of. I've said this before: make use of all learning opportunities or internship opportunities so i wasn't a serious student that's why i do count myself lucky and i think that's why i had to struggle a lot with um um imposter syndrome because i felt like i didn't deserve what i was getting you get okay. a lot of other people that are more serious and very religious and very studious in school and then i'm doing better than them so i felt like oh i'm just cheating my way through this you get so mm-hmm. i would say every opportunity you have in school learn be proactive be intentional about courses you're taking don't just take courses because you're trying to sign this course take courses that you know even if even if you don't know what you want to pass in you can just line up two or three likely area of practice that might land in and choose your courses based on those even if you might land in something separate but at least you know that you are intentional back then when you are in school or while you're in school so do that Take use of uh, make use of every mentorship internship free if possible if it's free i know a lot of students even myself right now they enjoy a lot of free things. so make use of there are a lot of free programs online a lot of free resources learn as much as you can because although you have learning never stops the lawyers 
for them to be very good if you can learn as much as you can learn. So when you're coming into the industry, you're not like a burden to anybody you're going to work with, any law firm or lawyer you're going to work with. It'll be easy to work with you because you already know to an extent, if not anything, the theoretical part of these things. And then you're just looking to practice. Of which, if you're doing your internship, you're also practicing. Now, if you're in law mm-hmm. school and it's not, we are not able to do a lot of this internship and all of that, I would say, first of all, focus on law school so you can pass. I won't tell you don't pass law school. Focus on law school. If you're not called to that, you cannot really tell someone that you're practicing a document law school. So focus on law mm-hmm. school, finish law school. The period of waiting for exam to finish, to, to your results to come out, and before you service or even during your service, you can decide to do what student internship programs, shadow any lawyer within the area of law that you're interested in, even if it's not impertinent law, read up on them. Uh, put yourself in that, in that um, um, box where as you're reading, you're practicing. Even if you're not practicing per se, you're passing knowledge. That helps to cement whatever you've learned, you get. So do that. Now if you're a young lawyer already out and maybe you're thinking about switching courses, sorry, switching area of law and all of that, I would say before you switch, before you are sure that you want to switch, just take out a month or two months and just sit in or shadow anybody in that industry, in that area of law. Because it might actually seem a way to you outside and then when you're doing the work, you realize you're not actually, it, do, it doesn't come natural to you or yeah. you're not interested in it. I'll cut out for it. Exactly. So, and it's not a bad thing to say, oh, I, I can't do this. You mm-hmm. get it's not you can't do this doesn't mean you cannot do something else. Do you understand? So take your time as a young lawyer to do that before you switch courses. Or sorry, before you switch area of practice. And also, like I said earlier, understand how the industry itself works. That will give you an edge over any other lawyer trying to port from one industry to another. So while you're studying this lawyer and learning it, my dear, if it's entertainment industry. Wear your ripped jeans and your face cap and your polo and join the streets. Join the music guys in the studio. Go on mm-hmm. set. See how things are working firsthand. That when they are saying it, you're understanding the lingua and the language and what they're talking yeah. about. The you get. Do that. You must not be on suit every time speaking English and all of that. Those days are gone. There are time, mm-hmm. there's time for everything. So understand the, the industry itself, understand the legal aspect of it, and decide if this is an area of law you want to be. And once you join it, carve your own stone for yourself. Do your things the way you want to. Days are gone where they'll say, oh, you know how, you're, okay, you soon go to law school. So by the time you go to law school, yeah. you get to learn about um, LPDC, no, LPDC is the committee, the laws okay. that provide for professional conduct and all of that yeah. they tell you oh you shouldn't have complimentary card or you can't visit your client your client has to come to the office you cannot discuss mm-hmm. certain things outside and all of that you realize that yes those are there to guide you and to keep you up to a particular standard but then you literally have the ability to do things the way you want to do there's no law there's no client or rather very few clients that will dust themselves and come to sit down in your office, especially if you're in, you're in the music industry. It's a different mm-hmm. thing. Movie industry, I would say they are more sane people. Music industry, mm-hmm. most of the people in the industry, their head is not correct. So nobody is going to wear trousers, dress up well, and come to your office. 
and sit mm-hmm. down and then you sit down behind the table and they're speaking English. No, the one people that are relatable, the one people that can just talk, yeah. the one people that can understand their point of view and where they're coming from without making them feel stupid for thinking that way or feel like, oh, we're better than you. So you have to be on the same level with them. So I'm using the entertainment industry as an example. If you're in construction or banking industry, you need to understand how the industry operates. You need to know how they move, how they communicate within themselves. Learn that lingo. Drop there's time for law. When you're around lawyers, lawyers can speak your law jargon. When you're around these people, you speak the language they understand. Do you understand? So that would be my advice. Thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation. This was a very exciting and insightful podcast. I can't wait for it to come out. I hope Thank so. You. I hope I answered Thanks. the questions to the, um, to the standard you have wanted. If I of course, you did. Thank you so much. I've learned so much. And I'm sure when everyone listens to it, they will feel the same way. Thank you so much, Mike. Have a nice day. You too. Yeah.